Hi, how's it going? I hope you guys are doing well out there, staying safe, staying healthy. My name is Bailey Sarian, and today is Monday, which means it's murder, mystery, and makeup Monday. If you are new here, hi, how are you? My name is Bailey Sarian, and every Monday I sit down and I talk about a true crime story that's been heavy on my noggin. That wasn't a good one. Noggin, and I do my makeup or just get ready for my day at the same time. If you're interested in true crime and you like makeup, I would highly suggest you hit that subscribe button because I'm here for you every Monday. So I got to Google in and a lot of you ask me, how do I research my cases? I start with a Google search. I typed in weird serial killers. I want a weirdo. Like I'm looking for the weirdos. Today I want to talk about a lady and her name is Belle Gunnis. Have you heard of her? Maybe. I hadn't. So I was very intrigued. Who is this woman? What did she do? Apparently she did a lot. And apparently, allegedly, possibly, I think she got away with it. I think this bitch got away. But other than that, I will shut up and let's talk about Belle because I think Belle got away. But it's a, like maybe you decide. It's up to you. Maybe. she. Whatever, I had a lot of coffee. Okay, so Belle. Belle was originally, well, she was born Belle Paulson, and she was actually born in a little town in Norway. Now, this whole story takes place like in the 1800s, the early 1900s. So, um, you know, with older stories, it's really difficult to find the truth because things and stories tend to change throughout the years. Everybody has their own version. Um, it's like a big game of telephone, you know? So I'm gonna to tell you one story that I found, but I've heard, I heard it went down differently through other sources. So the truth is in there somewhere, right? So she was born in Norway. I think that is true. <laughs> anyway, so her father, his name was Peter Paulson and he was a traveling magician. Now, when Belle was a child, she would participate or just like help her dad with his shows. Uh, her mother was also involved with it as well. And they would just put on performances kind of like at a, a circus is what I was assuming. Because it said that Belle would walk on a tightrope. To me, I'm like, that is that a magician? Or is that like a circus show? Either way, it just sounded like they were performers. Um, I don't think it really matters, but these are the things that I do get stuck on. <laughs> like, well, what really was it? I don't know. It drives me wild, but. I guess we'll never know. Anyways, so yes. So her father would like do these performances and she would participate in it as well. And then also her father would help build stuff like buildings, um, local stores, stuff like that. Now it was said that the family was very frugal. They were tight on money, but also they would just save, save, save. So they would constantly save any type of income that they would make. They would pay for the essentials, but for the most part, everything was saved. Um, and because of this, the family was able to retire when Belle was still a teenager. That was pretty exciting for the family. I mean, retiring sounds like a real hoot. With all of this money that the family had saved, they went on to purchase a little farm in Selby, Norway, and we're farmers now. Belle wanted to move on to like a better life. She wanted, to, she deserved better. She wanted a, just a new life. So she's like, I'm gonna go to America. I'm gonna go to the United States. Anyway, so in 18, 1881, Belle decided she was gonna move to the United States in search for wealth, money. 
So she did just that. So Belle moves to Illinois and while she's there, she meets a Swedish man and his name is Mads Albert Sorensen. Mads. His name is Mads. Yeah, Mads. And this is about two years after moving to America and she decides to get married to him. So they do. So the two of them are living in Chicago and they decide to open up their own candy store. Um, Dream job. Awesome. I love that. Candy store? Yes. So the two of them open up a candy store and they both manage and work it. It seemed to be doing okay because it had only been open for a couple of months and then it got really slow. Business really wasn't booming as much as they thought it was going to be. So they weren't making profit anymore and it was becoming a little bit of a problem because they're losing money. Belle was out here to get wealthy, you know? So she's getting like, shit, this is not going according to plan. Time goes on and whatever, it, it is what it is. I mean, maybe they can turn a profit, come on. Anywho, so one night though, a couple months after this candy store had opened, at night, a fire breaks out. The candy store is completely burned down. Belle is like, thank God, <laughs> my prayers have been answered. Now, luckily nobody was hurt. To Mads, her husband, he's a little irritated because that was all of his money he put into this candy store. Luckily though, they had insurance on the building, awesome. So the insurance people come out because they file a claim so they can get money. And because this fire seemed like random and they thought it was a little, I don't know, a little fishy. The insurance officials, they decided to investigate and find what the cause of the fire was. While insurance officials were looking for what caused the fire, they didn't really have any luck finding anything. So they were like, okay, well, it must've just been an accident. And they paid Mads and Belle um, their insurance claim. Now, during this time, right after Belle and Mads got married, Mads had purchased two life insurance policies in July of 1890. One was about to expire and the second one he purchased was gonna be the one that continued on forward. But for um, like two days, the two insurance policies were both active if that makes sense at the same time. Yeah, it was like for two days, both of his policies were active. So, I mean, let's just say if for some reason Mads had died on one of those two days, I mean, that's a lot of money you would get, right? So it was like kind of like a jackpot. Anyways, so, well, guess who dies? Yeah, it's Mads. He ends up dying on a day when both of his policies are active. Belle was questioned, obviously, like what happened? And Belle said that Mads had come home from work and that he had a really bad headache. All he wanted to do was just like go lay down because his head was just pounding. And Belle said that she just felt just awful. I mean, her poor husband is just working so hard. Oh, he just has a headache. Let me take care of you, honey. Belle ended up giving him some quinine powder for the pain. And then Belle said when she came back into the room to check on him, he wasn't breathing. He was dead. Belle was just shocked. He just had a simple headache. What the hell happened? Story. Now it would be ruled that Mads had died from heart failure, but his relatives were like, no, there is no way he died of heart failure. They truly believed that he, Mads, was poisoned. Aquatavana. Yeah, the family was like, he's been poisoned. There's no way he died. Now they believed that he was poisoned because he wasn't ill at all. He lived a very healthy, happy life. There's just no way he would die of heart failure. 
bell. So it was a little strange and the family just wanted more answers because I mean, that can't be, that can't be right. So naturally the family is feeling a little mm, suspicious about the situation. Now they go and they do a little bit of digging and they see that Bell was able to collect two life insurance policies on Mad because he had died on one of the days where he had both of the insurance policies. I mean, what are the odds of that? But they see that Bell had collected eight thousand dollars and she collected it the day or so after his death like it was pretty quick she went right for the money now because of this the family was feeling like they wanted more answers and that mads really didn't die of heart failure or a headache or whatever the hell bell is telling them so the family they had asked for mads body to be exhumed because they wanted to see what really caused his death now for reasons unknown this never happened his body was not exhumed. Belle had lost her place of work, burned down, and her husband. Talk about a shitty week, you know? Then, because Belle seems to have the worst luck ever, Belle's home that she shared with Mads, it burned down. It burned down. It was back to back to back. I mean, Belle is just having the worst luck ever. Now for good reason, the insurance company is like, okay, okay, Belle, what is going on? So they come out and they do an investigation. What caused the fire was a set intentionally. They come out, they question Belle, and they also just look to see what caused the fire, but they found no proof of fraud. So the insurance company followed through paying out her insurance claim. So Belle just got money for her husband dying, the candy store burning down, and her home burning down. Hmm. So Belle lost everything, her husband, her job, her house. I mean, everything. She was being questioned by people, you know, like, oh, I must have been up to this. And she was sick of it because she knew deep down that she was innocent. So she decided that she was going to move because she needed to get away from it all. She wanted to start again, a new life. So Belle decided to move and she ended up going um, about six miles from La Porte, Indiana. Anyway, so she purchases a farm out there. Um, you know, she comes from the upbringing, her childhood. She knows how a farm goes. Her parents had one. She worked on it. She thought, okay, this would be a great way to like make some money. Now, while out there in Indiana, Belle would meet another man. His name was Peter Ganes just a few months after buying the farm. And in 1904, Belle and her husband, Peter, were working together at their new store that they opened up. It was a local uh, market where they would sell meat, market stuff. Now, Peter was mainly the one who would work there. From my understanding, he would work as a like a butcher. Everything's going great. Peter seemed to be well off. Once Belle had locked him in, you know, you know, got married, got that ring. <laughs> she was like, okay, now we can open up a store together and try and be wealthy again because her first attempt with the candy store was going downhill. So she needed to redo it. Now, same thing. After some time, sales just really weren't doing that great. One day, Peter and Belle were working together at the store at the market and it was just a normal day. No big deal. Peter was organizing organizing a shelf, putting it all together. And somehow a meat grinder that was on this shelf, it somehow moved due to him trying to like balance it or something. She doesn't know, Belle doesn't know, but it moved and it fell off of the shelf, falls onto Peter's head. It crushes his head, crushes his skull. Quote, 
thus ending his existence, end quote. Peter dies a very awful death. A meat grinder falls on his head and crushes his skull. So the coroner's jury, they questioned Bell, the only person who saw the accident. And they asked Bell, can you please tell us exactly what happened? And Bell went on to tell the coroner's jury that this meat grinder just came off of the shelf and it struck her, quote, poor husband's head, end quote. Now, since they didn't have any proof or any really reason to question this, Bell's statement was accepted as true and his death was ruled as an accident. Now, it's said at the time of Peter's death, Belle and Peter, they had three small children together named Philip, Myrtle, and Lucy. That is a name you just don't hear anymore. Myrtle, Myrtle, I like that, Myrtle. The couple, they also had an adopted daughter and her name was Jenny Olson. And Jenny was 14 years old at this time. So technically they had four kids. Belle continues now with without her husband. She's taking care of the children all by herself, which must be very difficult. And then she's also trying to manage this store that she still has and this farm. She's got a lot on her plate. September of 1906, Belle's adopted daughter, remember? Remember, I just mentioned her three seconds ago. Her name's Jenny. Jenny goes missing. Neighbors and locals, they hadn't seen Jenny in weeks and they thought, well, that's really strange. Like we normally see Jenny almost every day. This would end up being brought up to authorities. Police, they go out to Belle's farm and they question her like, hey, your neighbors and stuff haven't seen, haven't seen Jenny. Do you, is she here? Can we see her? Can we talk to her? Belle tells police that Jenny was sent to Los Angeles to finish her education out in California. Now, when Belle told this to authorities, they honestly didn't really think much about it. They didn't think to question Belle because it was said that Belle was not only intimidating, the way that she said things was very confident and stern to the point where you didn't question it. I know you've met people like that, where it's they just say something with such confidence or the way that they say it, you don't even think to question it because why would you? Isn't that awful? Oh, I fall for it a lot. <laughs> like in infomercials, oh, they get me every time. Again, when Belle said this, it was like, okay, well, she must be out there in Los Angeles because Belle said so. Okay. Again, this was 1906, so I have no idea how they would even go about solving mysteries back then, to be honest, or how they would even locate people. How did they solve anything back then? Okay, authorities take her word for it. Jenny is in California. She's in Los Angeles, going to school. Good for her, great student. So as time went on, Belle was feeling a little lonely and she also just really needed help around her farm and her home. So Belle decided to insert an advertisement advertisement in the singles columns of one of the leading newspapers of Chicago and other large surrounding cities. Bell put out an ad that said, quote, personal dash line Comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in La Porte County, Indiana, desires to make acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit, end quote. So Belle was trying to find a, a well-off man, a rich daddy, May. 1907, a man named Ole B. Budsberg. He 
was an elderly widower and he was staying in Wisconsin and he saw this advertisement Belle had put out. He wanted to meet Belle and see what could come from it. He was pretty well off. He had money. He was alone. He thought, hey, I should I should respond to this. I should go see her. He had two grown-up sons, two adult sons. They were um, moved out on their own, doing their own thing, you know? So this man decided like, I'm just not gonna involve them. I'm not gonna tell them because they'll talk me out of it. You know how that goes. So I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut and not say anything. I'm just gonna go out there and see this bell lady. So he just didn't tell his sons. So one evening, Ole Budsberg, he left his home in Wisconsin and headed out to Bell's farm. Sadly, he was never seen again. He never returned. Nobody saw him again. The end. Jeez Louise. The sons of Ula, they were like, we haven't heard from our dad in quite some time. Um, we need to go and check in with him, see what, what he's doing. So they drive out to their father's home and they realize that he's not there. And they start asking questions, asking neighbors and stuff. And um, luckily Ula had told a neighbor like where he was going, that he was going out to visit this lady from an advertisement. So the sons are just asking anyone and everyone. And finally, somebody said that they had seen him when he was negotiating the sale of a mortgage and the Laporte Savings Bank and they saw him draw out money from his account. And this was on April 6th of 1907. And that was the last time anybody had seen Olay. Now let's get back to today's story. So another man named Andrew, and he was living in South Dakota, but he also saw Belle's advertisement. He was also communicating with her as well. Belle was keeping her options open, which is fine. I'm not judging. So Andrew was writing Belle letters and he decided before going out there to see her, he wanted to like get to know her a little bit more. So Andrew was writing Belle letters and planning to, to take a trip out there to go visit her. The more that they talked, the more that Belle was trying to convince Andrew to come out there and to live with her, stay at the farm and open up a business out there with her. And this was sounding kind of interesting or appealing to Andrew, like move with her, open up a business, run a farm. Sounds good to me. Belle was impressed by Andrew's letters and thought that they could make a new life together. So Andrew decided to head out to Belle's farm in January of 1908. His plan was to help maintain the farm and also make any repairs that were needed, but he was gonna be the handyman and the lover. Andrew headed out there and he moved in with Belle. And then he was there for about two weeks when Belle had asked him to go with her to the savings bank in La Porte and get a $3,000 loan for Andrew so that he could open up his own business. So they go and the bank won't approve Andrew's loan, but they did approve him for $12, a $1,200 loan instead. And the bank would send that money through the mail as a check. So Belle and Andrew go back to their farm and they wait for the check to come. Now, Belle had her eyes on that mailbox, okay? She was able to get her hands on the check before Andrew even saw it. So she was playing dumb. She's like, I have no idea what's taking so long with this check. It's supposed to be coming one day, they said, I don't know. And Andrew had no idea that the check already came and she took it and she deposited $500 into the savings bank. And then she took $700 and she deposited it into another bank. It was um, at the state bank. And she also paid numerous large bills with it. So then a few days later, Andrew disappears. Ugh. 
I know. Andrew's brother, he hadn't heard from him in weeks and normally he would get letters from Andrew. Andrew had told his brother that he was going to see this woman named Belle and told her the whole story. So this brother knew that Andrew was at Belle's house. So he was like, I'm just gonna write Belle a letter and ask where he's at. Just ask her directly. So the brother then writes Belle and asks, do you know where my brother is at? I haven't heard from him and he's not responding to my letters. Belle told the brother that Andrew had went and gotten a loan and then as soon as he got the money, he took off and he went to Norway. I know. What? This is news to Andrew's brother. Belle also told Andrew's brother that she was in shock as well. I mean, wow, it was just so random. I can't believe he wouldn't, he would do that, you know? Belle tells Andrew's brother, hey, you should come out to my farm so that you can help me do uh, like an extensive search around the farm looking for Andrew or, or looking for any clues. She is inviting Andrew's brother over. Don't go, it's a trap. Or she's trying to get with the brother. Either way, she's inviting him over, like, come on, over, help me look. I think he might be here. Maybe we can find some clues. It's a lot of land. And with your help, it'd be easier for us to cover this land and look for any clues. Great idea. Well, let me tell you. Now that same day, April 28th, 1908, at about 3 a.m., Belle, her home was burned to the ground. Again. <laughs> It's not funny because this time a lot of people died. So when investigators got a call about, you know, this fire that happened and the house burned down, they went out there to investigate. They go and they look at the home and they see like the charred remains of a woman and three children. They were found inside the burned home. They took a closer look at the children's remains and they concluded that they were the remains of Belle's children. They also find the remains of a woman. Investigators assume that this is Belle because I mean, it's her kids and the woman kind of resembled Belle. So they assumed she had died along with the children. Upon further inspection, they see that the head had been chopped off. Belle's head is removed. What the hell? And because of that, it led to some questions like who is this? Is this really Belle? And if it was Belle, Somebody was angry. So investigators were looking for any leads and they come across this man named Ray and Ray at one time had worked on the farm with Belle and he ended up leaving due to not getting along with Belle. They had arguments, they fought a lot according to Ray. But Ray would go on to say that he had a lot of dirt on Belle. He would also tell Belle that one day he was gonna expose her. But Belle would go around and tell everyone that Ray was crazy and that nothing out of his mouth was something that you should believe. So she's spreading the word that Ray is just crazy. That's why she fired him. That's why she didn't want him working there and don't believe anything this crazy man has to say. Investigators would soon find evidence that would prove Ray was at Belle's home when the fire started. Oh shit. I tried to dig around a little bit and I couldn't find exactly what this evidence was, but something was linked to Ray to prove that he was in the home when the fire started. So they say, Ray was questioned further and he would tell investigators that there were bodies buried in the backyard of Belle's home. Oh shit. On May 5th, they, the investigators, went looking and they found five mutilated and decomposed bodies buried in the backyard. Uh, what? Yeah, five bodies were buried in the backyard. One of the bodies they were able to identify as Jenny, Jenny Olson, the adopted daughter. Yeah, they found her in the backyard. Oh, 
so awful. It was believed that she was murdered because she knew too much regarding the death of Peter in 1904. So the first body they find is Jenny and then they find a second body. And that body was Andrew from South Dakota. Remember Andrew, they find him. The third was unidentified body of a man and the fourth and fifth were bodies of two eight-year-old girls. On May 6, four additional bodies of men were also found buried in the yard. Yes, four more. Most of the bodies that were found had limbs removed in a way that indicated to authorities that the amputations were performed by someone who was familiar with anatomy. They were cutting in the right places. They seemed to know what they were doing. The theory was that some of the bodies were just too heavy to carry or move. They were then cut up to make them easier to move by one person. Also authorities found burlap sacks and they had torsos hands, arms hacked from the shoulders down. They found human bones wrapped in loose flesh that dripped like jelly. That's how they described it. I'm not trying to be gross, but they said it dripped like jelly. Many of the skulls had blunt trauma and gashes in the skulls, which were found separated from the bodies. Belle, what are you doing? This isn't farming. On May 9th, two more bundles of bones decayed flesh and clothing were found in their private graveyard they had built, but they were unable to identify the bodies that they had found in the private graveyard at that time. On May 14th, a few bones of one more victim were found in the ashes in the cellar and some in shallow graves under the original hog pen. They also found more bones near an outhouse um, and also by the lake nearby. Yeah, I don't know what they were, I don't know what she who was doing what with this, I don't know. The bones had been crushed on the ends as though they had been struck with a hammer after they were dismembered. And then quicklime or calcium oxide had been scattered over the faces and stuffed in the ears. It kind of sounds like a chemist or something is doing this, right? A serious doubt arose as to the actual fate of Belle. Now, it was suspected that she too burned in the home because they found a woman, a lady, they found a lady who looked like Belle who was burned with the children, but the head was cut off, which was kind of weird. They started thinking, they were like, Hmm. It seems like Belle was up to no good. Like she was doing some shit here on this farm. They got to thinking that Belle murdered her children and several others, that she may have lured in an unsuspecting woman into her home, someone who kind of looked like her. It wasn't her, but kind of, they could be the same. They're thinking, well, Belle could have killed this woman, disfigured her remains so that she could not be recognized, chopped her head off, messed up her just her appearance and everything, so they couldn't identify the body. And then Belle probably, maybe, allegedly, I need to say allegedly more, cause I don't want ghosts from 1800 to come sue my ass. She set the house on fire and then escaped. It kinda sounds like something, she, right? Investigators are thinking, well, Belle must have thought that they would believe the charred remains of this woman were those of herself and that no further search would be made for her. Hello, that's like a great idea in Belle's mind, not in my mind, in Belle's mind. But in the ashes of the home, they found a lower jawbone 
from this woman. This was taken to a local dentist for examination. Now this is the only dentist in town. So if you're going to get some teeth work done, you're going to this dentist. So this dentist would know like what he did. Some of the dentistry work was visible on the teeth, which were still connected to the jawbone. So they take it to this dentist and this dentist looks at it and he positively identified the work done as the work done for Bell a year previously. And then on top of that, they found rings on the fingers of the dead woman. Those were also identified as the property of Bell and pieces she wore often. Of course, there was a difference of opinion as to how Bell may have met her death. The theory of the prosecution was that she was burned to death, but a doctor who examined Bell's remains, his opinion was that her death was caused by contraction of the heart, probably due to some kind of poisoning. And this doctor believed that this is the same poison that was used to kill her other and previous victims as well. Shortly after Belle's private graveyard was discovered, the two sons of Ole, Ule, they came down to La Porte because they they thought maybe he had fallen into this, this woman's trap. Um, so they went down there and they were actually able able to identify one of the bodies as that of their missing father. So he was identified. And then on May 12th, the surgical instruments with which the bodies were probably dismembered with were found in the ashes. And then on May 19th, a woman from Wisconsin, she arrived um, into town to inquire regarding her brother who had left home to marry a rich widow in La Porte, but he was never heard from again. Unfortunately for her, most of the bodies were badly mutilated and decomposed. It was impossible to determine if her brother's remains were, were in there, but it's believed that he was a victim of Bell's as well. There was another man that went missing from Wisconsin and it's believed that he went down to go see Bell. He had taken a $1,500 check with him and his family went out there to go see if he also was a part of this woman's trap. Unfortunately, again, they were unable to identify his body, but it's believed that he was also a victim to to Bell or whatever was going on on this farm. Um, his name was Henry. And there's a, a couple of stories like this. Uh, it was put out there by the, in the newspapers about what was found at this farm. So people who whose loved ones went missing and they believed went there, they were coming out to the farm to identify hopefully a family member or something. Well, not hopefully, but you know what I mean, right? So neighbors were saying that they saw Ray around the area and he was there that night that the fire started, but also they saw that after the disappearance of Andrew, Ray was seen wearing an overcoat which belonged to Andrew and wearing some of his, his items just in general as well. And people thought it was weird, but they also just didn't say anything. And on May 18th, a watch which was in the possession of Ray at the time of his arrest was identified as property of a man who left his home in 1907 to marry a widow in La Porte, but was never heard from again. So Ray was wearing items from the victims. So authorities go and they question him further about this. Like, what the fuck? Are you the one responsible for this, Ray? Like, who did this? But Ray said that Bell gave him the watch as a gift for all the work that he had done around the farm. Ray also said that he had no idea it was a victim's watch or, or coat, overcoat. It was just something that Bell gave him. So authorities ask Ray what were his whereabouts on the night of the fire. Now they had evidence linking Ray to the home that night, but they 
didn't have a confession from Ray. And Ray claimed that he was in the company of a woman that night until about 4 a.m. So authorities had to go out and, you know, see if this was true or not. And they find out that Ray's not telling the truth, Ray. Eventually, after a lot of pushing from authorities, Ray eventually confessed that he had burned the home down, but denied he had committed any murders. Ray said that he and sometimes a neighbor friend, they would dig trenches around the farm for Bell, but they had no knowledge as to what purpose they were going to be used for. They just did it because they needed to get paid by Bell. They didn't ask questions, they just did it. On May 22nd, 1908, Ray was charged for the murder of Bell and her family by means of arson. He pleaded guilty of arson and was sentenced to two to 20 years in prison. Immediately after his conviction, Ray's health failed rapidly and he ended up dying on December 30th, 1909. So not even that long after he was sentenced, which sucks because they could have probably got a lot more answers from him. On January 14th, 1910, a detective came forward and made a public confession saying that Ray came to him after his arrest and admitted that he helped Bell bury one of the victims and he also saw Bell chloroform another victim and then cut them up with a hatchet. Bell did this. Ray also confessed that he chloroformed Bell and her family. Bell was pronounced dead, but whether she died in the fire or did indeed escape, remains a mystery. There were many reported sightings of Bell in the Chicago area long after she was declared dead. After the crimes came to light, the farm became a huge tourist attraction. Spectators came from across the country to see the mass graves. Popcorn and souvenirs were sold to all the people who came to check it out. Hey, dead people were buried here. Don't forget your popcorn, hi. Wild times. The crime itself though was acknowledged as a part of area history in the Laporte County Historical Society Museum and they have a permanent exhibit dedicated to Belle Guinness. So in the end, Belle is thought to have killed at least 14 people, most of whom were men. She had enticed to visit her on the promise of marriage. While some sources speculate Belle was responsible for as many as 40 murders. A lot of the bodies that were found on her property were not identified. They kept some of the DNA in their systems, but it was never linked to people. Maybe it's changed now, but from my understanding, a lot of them still remain a mystery. The question remains, was her death faked? Was she really responsible for all these deaths? Was Ray the killer? What was the goal? So many questions, no answers. Who the hell was Ray? I don't know. Okay, so kind of confusing. Sorry about it. This one striked my fancy because I don't think Belle died in that fire. No, no, nay, nay. Belle seemed to be, I don't wanna call her smart, but she kind of seemed like it, right? She was getting away constantly with all this nonsense. If she killed her family and burned down her house again, she could leave and start a new, a new life. Why wouldn't she? Plus she had all these bodies on the farm. What was she doing? Like what was her goal just to get money? What was she doing with all this money? You guys, I have so many questions and there aren't many answers. The only reason she was connected to or identified was because this dentist had identified the work done on her teeth. How many teeth does he do? Does he do a lot of teeth? How, how sure is he? 
Was he paid off? We don't know. I think though that Belle got away. What do you think of Belle? This awful woman who, I don't know what she was doing. Just getting money? Her poor kids? Oh, I forgot about them. Poor kids. Oh, Jesus. Do you think Belle's still alive? Well, not now, but do you think that she was still alive? I hope that you have a wonderful day today. You make good choices. Please, please, please be safe out there, please. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day ahead. Love and appreciate you guys so much. Anyways, I will be seeing you guys later. Bye.